Hey everyone, welcome to Template Titans, the show where we dive deep into the world of Notion templates and the creators behind them. I'm your host, Nick Lafferty, and in each episode, we sit down with talented Notion template creators to discuss their journey, insights, and tips for success. Today's guest is Madison from A Simple Notion. She's a Notion template creator and consultant who quit her job in May to pursue her self-employment dreams. She's one of the few creators that has branded her entire Twitter experience from her profile background to screenshots, I'll have the same red theme to it, which I think is a really subtle and effective way to stand out and something that I personally need to start doing as well. Uh, <laughs> she does a lot more notion consulting than, than any of the other guests I've had in on the podcast. And so excited to dive into that. So without further ado, hey, Madison, great to have you on the show today. Can you introduce yourself and talk about your notion business? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Nick. That's an awesome intro. Yeah, so I started a simple notion around Thanksgiving last year, 2022. And the intention behind it was just to post and share information that I was learning messing around in notion, and maybe it would turn into a business. And I pretty quickly discovered that I had a knack for it and a passion for it since I've been using notion for about three years. So I think I've been in the space in the background for a little bit longer than most of the people out there. And I also was a project manager by trade. So it kind of worked perfectly because Notion was my tool of choice in my personal life. So fast forward a couple months, my my following started to grow and I decided to start offering services and consulting and building custom templates for solopreneurs. And it pretty quickly snowballed into something that I couldn't really do full-time with a full-time job. So in, I think, it was before May. It was end of April. I decided, hey, I'm not loving my full-time job and this is growing pretty quickly. Let's see if I can get some big clients and start doing this full-time. And it worked out within two weeks. I landed two big clients and it replaced my full-time income in, in those two clients. And so I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to quit. I'd, I'd rather have the whole summer to just focus on this. So that's where we are today. I, I love it. I love that you have, you found two clients and that, that was, was enough. You talk about what, what you do for those clients. Is it kind of custom one-off builds? Is it consulting of how to build the right Notion workspace? Is, do they have a Notion workspace before you start working together or do you help them build that when you start? Yeah. So for these two clients, they're a little bit different from each other, but what I'm doing is basically the same thing. So I am building a content system, workspace system for one of my clients, and they already had a content system sort of in place, but they have a team of people. So it's not just them. They're kind of building out a team of freelancers and, and consultants to work on their content strategy. So I'm building this very big, meaty template for them. And that's technically a project by project kind of basis, but there's more projects that I'm going to build out for them in the future. So it's kind of an ongoing relationship. And then my other client, similar thing, I'm building a kind of client nexus for them because they work with people to build resumes. So I am helping them build out a client workflow. So helping them come up with a proposal template and then onboarding clients and having a front facing dashboard for them. So that's kind of it's I'm building custom templates for people who are already using Notion, but maybe just don't have the the Notion know-how or the time to build it for themselves because it does take a lot of time to build something bespoke that. So that's kind of where I come in and help them streamline that process. How can you say how large your clients are in terms of employees? Are they a couple of employees, like two to five or 10 plus? Or are they larger than that? 
the the client focused person, I don't think they have any employees. It's just them. And then the content one, it, the, he doesn't have any full-time employees, but he does have freelancers that he's working with. And eventually he will have employees. And the freelancers that he's working with kind of function employees. They're not necessarily working full-time, but they are fulfilling a similar role as a full-time okay. employee. And those freelancers are in Notion to making changes and editing, editing content. Yeah, yeah. A graphic designer, an automations person, a writer, that kind of thing. So it, he needed to have a system built out that was more robust and able to onboard employees and freelancers to fulfill certain roles and work for him, which is definitely more comprehensive than just what I would build for myself, right? You need to have yeah. pages for each of those employees that they can reference, dashboards and systems that work with multiple people inputting data. So. Yeah, that's the the thing I've had experience with. I've used Notion a lot at companies. And so I used it at my last company, which was about 30 people and everyone was wow. using Notion inside of it. And then when I was at Loom, it was 200 people. There was 200 of us at any given time working in there. And it got so unwieldy in Loom's workspace that they were trying to hire what they called a librarian, which is really just a Notion template consultant, someone to come in and unscrew up our, our workspace and kind of organize everything and give teams the right templates and systems and processes to follow. And it's really hard when you're a company of that scale, you have that much content to wrangle all your stuff. And they were on the expensive Notion enterprise plan and Notion was helping them directly. And even that wasn't, wasn't enough. And so I think those workspaces can get pretty, pretty large and a little crazy the more people you have making content in them. Oh, yeah. So how did, did those clients find you or did you find those clients? And how did that go? Yeah. So the the content client, he and I had been kind of chatting since early on in my in my page's history. I think I had less than 300 followers when we met and just started chatting. And it wasn't something that, oh, we're definitely going to work together. It was kind of friendly, you know, networking. And we just kept in touch. And then once I kind of put it out there that, hey, I'm trying to leave my job, he messaged me again and was, hey, I, I want to hire you. He kind of wanted to get his foot in the door first. And, you know, that, that was great for me. I'm, yeah, take up all of my time. Let's go. And then the other client found me based on, I made a thread a while back that I called cascading notion buttons. And I kind of showcased how you could use multiple steps in a button and they could all self-reference the previous step automatically. So that I was using to build my own client onboarding system across four different databases. It was kind of complex, but the buttons made it a lot simpler where it's, I could literally push one button and generate a new client dashboard and a proposal and an invoice and all of that. And it turned out to be pretty much exactly what he <laughs> needed to build. So he reached out to me and it was a great fit. And so we've only just started this week after I got back from my honeymoon. So yeah, excited to work on that project a little bit more, but it was just funny that it, it worked out where it was pretty much exactly what I built is what he wants me to build. We love when that happens. <laughs> that's, that's, that's awesome. I've kind of had a similar experience of making content on really any social profile has opened a lot of doors for me in ways that you don't fully understand until it happens because you don't know who's reading your stuff or watching your videos or doing any of that stuff. And my, my social media channel of choice has always been LinkedIn. And I found mm -hmm. a lot of consulting clients for me on LinkedIn, where I talk about stuff, I talked, I talked about Loom for the whole two years I was there, which is the Loom guy on, on LinkedIn, which was both good and, and a bad thing after a while. But it is like you never know the impact of all the content you're putting out until one day 
someone reaches out to you and says, hey, I saw your post or I've been following you. Can I hire you to work together? And that's the amazing part of those, those social channels is just that almost spontaneous outreach that seems to happen, but it came off the back of lots and lots of posting and being consistent over time too. Right. It's the best, it's the best feeling when that happens too, because you don't really have to close anybody. I haven't had to put on my salesperson cap yet because everybody that's come to me has just been super warm and just ready to go. And I love that. I don't having to, to make a hard sell. <laughs> yeah. And at some point, you know, you shouldn't have to either. They should either want to work with you because they've seen your previous work and your previous clients or your, your content. And then they've already self-selected and filtered themselves out to they're a good fit or they're right. not. And then they reach out and then, and then it's easy from there. Yep. Yeah. So, okay. So you have a couple clients now. Do you have room for more or are you kind of maxed out with the amount of client work that you have? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as of right now, I definitely have room for more. I, I have a couple things to wrap up before mid-June. And then after that, my client roster will be more open. So yeah, definitely looking for more projects to take on because I find it super fun to work with clients and solve problems that I wouldn't necessarily have to solve for myself being a solo business. I do work with solopreneurs too, but yeah, it's, it's always fun to kind of get challenged in that way. Yeah. And so how much of your time do you spend, you know, I know you've kind of just starting now, but how much of your time per day or per week do you think each client takes up? And does it depend on how much work they need done? And if you're just starting with a new client versus kind of updating an existing client's workspace? Yeah, I mean, it, it really varies depending on the project and depending on if I have built out something similar already in my Notion space that I can kind of repurpose. But right now, I would say I probably spend 20-ish hours a week on client work alone and then another 20, try to make it another 20 working on my own content and the business yeah. side of things. So that's kind of the balance I'm looking for. I'm not currently in the phase of my business where I want to cut my working hours ruthlessly down to the bone and only work two hours a day or whatever. I'm fine working full time. I've worked full time for two years and I think I can get more out of my business that way. So yeah, that's kind of the goal right now is just to be fully booked for couple months and see how that goes. Yeah, that, that's kind of where, where I am. I am too, where I know I, before, before we pushed recording, I was telling you that we both started our solo, solopreneur endeavors on the exact same day. We quit our nine to fives and started on the same day. That's kind of where, where I am too of, I want to get to a point where I'm, you know, maybe not working Fridays or, you know, and maybe I'm only working a couple of days of the week and the rest of it is just kind of me doing whatever I want to do, pursuing my passions or hobbies and not needing to find clients or do work. But because I'm so new to my solo business, I feel driven to put the effort and the time in now to kind of strike while the iron's hot, I guess, and then hopefully build something that becomes a more sustainable, less hour intensive thing for me. Because my long-term goal is to stop trading my time for dollars, which in my growth marketing consulting world is still what consulting is for me is I show up on a call or I put together a project or whatever for someone and I'm still doing something and they're paying me for hours. Even if it's a retainer model, it's still I'm trading my time for dollars and I would rather wake up to a bunch of product sales or course sales or whatever. And that's my, my income for the day, but that doesn't just happen over yeah. and so that's the work I'm putting in now to get to that in state. Exactly, exactly. And it's also at this stage in the business, in the I think kind of within your first year, 
building out the systems in the back end of your business takes a lot of time. So that's kind of something that I'm focusing on right now is, you know, hooking up all of my Gumroad pages to my convert kit and, you know, building out my website. And there's a lot of back end stuff that needs to happen. But once that stuff is sort of in place, you don't have to maintain it as much. So there's less time necessary to put it to that. But yeah, I'm with you. I definitely want to stop trading my time for dollars in the near future. Yeah. So you, I kind of was spying on a thread between you and Milo of Notion for Teachers, who I, I talked with a couple of weeks ago. Great, great podcast. Great guy. He was, it was awesome time. We talked for an hour and a half that we talked and we had the stops. We could take a break in the middle and come back. It was awesome. But he was looking at also doing consulting and in custom builds and had a question on how do you price? How do you, how do you work and how do you pitch people? And so can you kind of talk through as much as you want to share how you price your consulting engagements and are they more of a retainer model versus hourly? Yeah, I definitely don't charge hourly. I knew, so I used to freelance as a writer four or five years ago before the pandemic and kind of during the pandemic. And I was stuck in the hourly trap. And I think as a writer, it's a lot harder to break out of that. But when I started this, I knew that I wanted to charge more of a project fee versus an hourly fee. However, I think in order to arrive at a reasonable number, I still do kind of use an hourly rate, but I just, I up that hourly rate significantly. I learned from somebody a while back to not charge less than $100 an hour as a freelancer because or as a consultant, because if you factor in taxes and expenses and all these other things that come out of that number, it's you're effectively not making very much if you're charging anything less than that. And there's always scope creep and things that can come up during a project. So you want to make sure you're kind of giving a buffer. So I tend to charge by the project and I personally will just estimate how long I think it will take me. And I do track my time as well. So I know how long a project took me at the end of it. And I just kind of throw out a flat fee depending on the client and what they're looking for. And then I want to move into adding a retainer model on that as well, especially because I think a lot of companies you mentioned with whom like they will need maintenance help. They will need, yeah. you know, assistance, keeping that clean or just adding little tweaks here and there. So I think having a retainer so that my time is kind of bookmarked for them if they need it would be probably my next step in the, in the client realm of things. Okay. Yeah, that's how I've pitched it too, is I've done hourly, I prefer retainer and I sell it in kind of the same way that you just did at the end of, it helps me reserve my time for them. And so my my time is limited. And before I was double dipping, I was working a full-time job and consulting and doing notion stuff. So I'm like, look, I am slammed. And so if you need yeah. my time, it's going to cost this much and you have to reserve it this far in advance. Otherwise I'm just not, not available. And I think that that model is good for notion creators too. Uh, to yeah. figure out what what value are you you bringing to these people and what's the value of the project that you're building for them internally and if it's if you're the template or the workspace you're building will save them time or hours or frustration then you can almost kind of quantify that too and how much time they're losing to having a shitty system and that you will fix and then you can almost peg your your rate to that yep versus just you know saying oh my rate's 50 bucks an hour or whatever yeah, that factors in a lot for me too. I've talked to a couple creators who wanted quotes for building a course in Notion, which I'm a huge fan of. I think way more people should be doing that because Teachable and Circle and whatever else, they'll charge you 100 to 150 bucks in a, a month. And you, you know, over the course of a year, that's a couple thousand dollars. And then you're stuck there. You can't move your course off their platform. 
So with that, it's okay, well, what's the value? How much are they going to charge for that course? How much would they spend on a software? And that's something that I'm looking forward to helping with in the future with somebody just building out a really amazing course template in Notion. But I think some people don't understand the value of that. And so I try to charge for that kind of thing where it's, it might not take me that long. I already have a course template that I could use, but the value, if they're going to go and make $10,000, $20,000 selling that course in their launch, you know, 2000 3000 bucks is not that much in, the, in yeah. the grand scheme of things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was talking to, with a tool who is, I, I, I use his tagline of the largest notion creator in India. He's 16, almost 17, crushing. And what, what he's been doing is um, he's been starting Twitter ghostwriting and he'll mm. find people who have products in courses that sell for, you know, five, you know, five figures, four or five figures and go and pitch them and say, Hey, I will help manage your Twitter accounts. And this is my fee and it's $5,000. But if I help you sell one or two courses, you've, you've paid for it already. And so he's already pegging mm -hmm. his, his value of what he brings to their outcome. And he's been able to grow and have a lot of success doing that. And so it's more about what, how he can help the other person and less about his experience. And to have someone who's 16 years old doing that is one to me, mind blowing and incredible. I'm so hyped for him, but it just shows that anyone can be, can be doing that kind of stuff too. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I, I love seeing like these young guys. There's a lot of them out there just making amazing money and they're still in high school yeah. because they're just being innovative and creative. And I think that's the best part about the creator economy that we're seeing kind of rise up on Twitter right now. Yep. Okay. One last consulting question and I'll move on to some, some, I have Twitter questions for you too. If, if you could give advice to someone who wants to start doing notion consulting, almost a bullet point of advice. If someone tweeted at you or DM'd you, what mm -hmm. advice would you tell someone who wants to start doing the same thing you're doing in terms of consulting? Oh, number one, don't worry about your followers as much. Worry more about the quality of your posts and what you're tweeting about and showing what you can do. One of my friends, Jason Brady, he doesn't have a huge following on Twitter and he's been, you know, making a lot of money doing consulting and custom projects for entrepreneurs. And he gets a lot of inbound traffic, even though I think he's still less than a thousand followers and he's making a full time income off of that. So followers, not as important as the content that you're putting out and showcasing what you could do for a client. I think the next piece of advice would be to make sure that you have a solid system for capturing leads. So it doesn't, it could go from a DM to a basic Notion page that's just outlining what you could do for that. It could all be based off Notion. You don't have to get fancy. You don't have to have a website necessarily. That's the power and the beauty of Notion is you could make a beautifully sleek branded page that you could just send somebody, okay, here's what I offer. I think modeling a lot of that after Islo and Passio and even people who are not in the Notion niche, just looking at what they include on their services page can be a great help there. And then have a clear understanding of what it, what it is that you bring to the table. I have a lot of experience in marketing and I, I feel pretty confident about that. So getting on calls with people and just answering their questions, chopping it up. I'm not nervous about that, but I understand that some people are. And I think the best way to get through those nerves is to really understand what you're bringing to the table and be confident in that and know that if somebody chooses not to go with you, it's okay. There's going to be another person out there who needs your help and you can try again on the next one. But building those skills, like being able to sell without selling, like we were talking about 
because you know what you're offering, that's really, really the key because it's in those calls and in those conversations is where you you make the sale and where you determine your value. And it's okay also, last bit, is to start low. Don't necessarily feel you need to come out of the gate and say $3,000 or whatever. Start low to get your first couple of clients and build your momentum because that testimonial in that case study is going to be worth more especially when you're early in your journey, than the extra $1,000 or whatever. So yeah, start low and just get some reps in. Get practice under your belt with, with signing clients and then delivering really well for them. Yeah, especially with the video call aspect, if that's something that people are nervous about. I think some people even coming on this show have been a little nervous to come on video and talk about it because to them and everyone else, their presence as a creator is just a little picture on Twitter and that's kind of their in- entire thing. And it's that's great, but people to buy from people, other people that they can see and be friends with and connect with and being able to go on a call and just be personable and have a normal conversation with with someone is is valuable. And 16-year-old me would have been terrible at that. But now that I've been through the workforce, I've worked, I've done interviews, I've you know have a podcast now, it helps break down those barriers, but you have to get some reps in you have to practice otherwise you can never you can never improve. yeah yeah I mean I think that's one of the unfair advantages that having a nine to five and coming from that world has helped me with is is being on camera and on video I was a fully remote employee for two years a little more than two years actually so getting on calls with random people from around the business that I was working in and, and not knowing who they were and they just wanted to ask me questions or whatever helped me build a presence on video a lot faster than I think I would have if I was just completely remote, never talking to anybody, which I used to be as a freelancer. So I think for people who are maybe younger and not going the nine to five route, which is great, as we you know just mentioned, maybe getting on calls with people that you're not selling, you know, just get on calls with people from Twitter and practice, practice being on video, practice being articulate and, and just get those reps in that way versus trying to do it all on a sales call. Yeah. Yeah. Again, when I talked to a tool this time last week, one of his big takeaways was just to ask people questions. And he approaches almost every scenario of what can he learn from that person or that company or that campaign or whatever. And so if you go into it with the a goal of just learning something new of, oh, I want to learn you know, this person's background or how they're, they got, you know, they grew on Twitter or whatever, it probably takes some of those nerves away to your point of, it's not a sales call. You just want to, you know, talk to someone and make a connection. And that is an easier hurdle to overcome you getting on a call and closing someone. It's funny, I just closed a new consulting client a couple of hours ago before we talked. Nice. I sent him an email on Monday with my price and he responded back and said, hey, let's hop on a call and, and talk through it. And so we did and he tried to negotiate me down. And so there was that whole angle to it. But yeah, you got to practice. You got to put yourself in those scenarios. You got to put yourself out there and just you know, sometimes they say yes. And sometimes they don't in both situations is okay too. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right. Talk to me about your Twitter account. It's great. One, I'm a, I'm, I'm a big fan of your Twitter account, both from the, I don't want to call them hot takes, but very opinionated tweets that to me go against some of the norm. But let's start with your, your branding. So you've consciously branded everything in this red color. Is red your favorite color or is it just what you wanted to position yourself as a, a notion creator as? Yeah, red's definitely not my favorite color, but you wouldn't know that <laughs> looking at my desk and, and even what I'm wearing. I I don't know where the red idea came from. I think so when I was kind of digging around in the Notion niche October of last year, 
because I was thinking about two months before I actually did anything. I took Islo's course that he had on how to sell Notion templates and stuff. I didn't even know that it was this big of a thing that you could monetize. I was just a fan of Notion. But I noticed very quickly that, okay, Islo is black and white and Notion's branding is black and white and everybody is using these. There's one creator, I forget her name, that does all of the the Notion little head logos. And they're, yeah, and they're all in black and white. And I'm, you know, that's great. I'm, I'm a fan of minimalism. I love that. It's just, how do you stand out from that? And I came from a marketing background and a branding background. So I knew that I had to do something different. And so I just spent, I think I recorded or timed myself. I spent three hours just coming up with some branding ideas in Canva pretty early on. And I actually went with the little, a little kind of different version of the Notion square, but it was red. It was like an N, but it was red. And that was my first logo because I kind of wanted to do this anonymously while I was working on my nine to five. And then I had my husband, who's an artist just sketch up a little face for me based on kind of what everybody else did in red. And that's, you know, now my logo. And I loved the the red design. It just like pops so much more on Twitter yeah. because Twitter is all blue. They're branding, right? It's, it's white, black, and blue. And there's a lot of people who use blue or some variation of blue, you know, in their logos or in the Notion space, it was all black. So, well, red is kind of the direct opposite of, of both of those. So I think it'll stand out more. But yeah, it's it kind of just naturally evolved into being the only color that I use. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's great. I'm, I'm a huge fan. I want to go on the record and say I'm a massive fan of it. Because one, because I also have a marketing background too. And my tendency, probably like yours, is to see what other people is doing and do the exact opposite. So yeah. if everyone is black and white, then I don't want to do that. I want to, I want to look different. But the amount of people I see with those same notion kind of like avatar heads is their Twitter profile and stuff is it's a lot. Yeah. And so what I noticed too, is when you go to post screenshots or I know you have a big thread on Notion AI recently, and you always have Mm -hmm. a red kind of canvas that all of your images sit on. Is that just a template in Canva? You just drop, drop stuff on. At, At first, yes, it was, but I discovered this tool snapper, I think is how you say it. It's X N A P P E R. And it's free. I use the free version, but you can create screenshots the same way that you would on your computer, you know, uh, the shortcut to to do a screenshot. It's basically the same thing. And you just, it opens up this little studio and you can select a gradient background. So I did that. And then it actually lets you put a photo behind it if you want to. So I mocked one of those up similar to the gradient, but I added some little flares here and there. And now that's my automatic background. Saves me a lot of time. And for video, I use a tool called Screen Studio that does basically the same thing. Let's you put a custom background behind everything. But I think that just helps me make really nice graphics very quickly. So that's something recently that I've started implementing. Cool. Yeah, I I love that idea. One, I didn't know about that tool. So great, great takeaway. I, I learned something already. So super valuable. But the branding your whole account really helps everything be more cohesive. And to me, it's it's kind of a, a subconscious feel too of it. You don't immediately notice it until you start going through or until in my case, you're interviewing someone and you're mining for for questions and you want to pick out little interesting things that, that someone is doing. But I think that angle is great because it's all about being different and having your own perspective and branding and, and angle and people will relate to that and associate that with you. And even as they're scrolling down, they'll see red and probably more associate that color with you versus, you know, the 10th black and white avatar, <laughs> just everyone else. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, that's that's the plan. Okay, and so you have branded your entire Twitter account 
you've, to me, it seems you focus a lot on Notion educational content of a new feature buttons or AI will come out and it'll kind of do a thread going through and explaining, you know, the new feature or tool. Can you kind of walk through what your process is for creating content on, on Twitter? Yeah, yeah. I It's very much an iterative process. I'm still figuring it out. You know, I've only been doing this for six months and my content strategy has changed a couple times in that in that span. But right now, I've, I've, I just want to focus on making content that I would want to see that I think would be helpful. And Notion keeps adding so many features, so I feel like I have to make new threads every time they post new features. But yeah, I try to highlight the way that people could use these things to save themselves time. Notion AI, I think, is a wildly undertapped resource by solopreneurs. I feel like people just don't know how to use it or they don't. They think ChatGPT is easier, which, you know, ChatGPT is, I think, more expensive and it's a whole separate platform. I try to keep everything inside Notion because it saves me time and it prevents my ADHD from taking me away on the Internet. So something that I try to help solopreneurs understand how to use that to their advantage to save time. And same with buttons. Buttons can save people so much time, but they can also make their digital products more user-friendly because people don't have to dig around in the background to, to execute a task. They can just click a button and, it, and it's done. So I focus a lot on doing those in-depth threads. There's this great post from my friend on Twitter, Joshua Gielin, I think is how you say his name. And he posted a while back, there's different types of content. There's your top of funnel content that's meant to grab as many people from a broad audience as possible. Then there's your middle of funnel content and then there's your low bottom of funnel content. And those in-depth posts are much more targeted at the middle of content funnel, which is where I focused a lot of my attention in the earlier stages. You know, I have currently 1,600 followers. So that was kind of building up the, the base of fans who are really notion geeks and they want to know about notion and how to use it and now i'm going to kind of pivot to focusing on a mix of top of funnel and middle of funnel content to kind of grow my page so yeah that's i don't know if that answers your question but yeah no totally i think that you know top of funnel all the way through bottom of the funnel is a framework that i would probably say most notion creators don't understand yet one of the things i probably take for granted having worked a marketing career for the last 10 years is just knowing more marketing stuff than than average. And I think how I'd associate that is you see the big creators, slow or or notion way, they're all of their content that I see and I don't follow them because I find it super annoying personally. <laughs> is is all top of funnel. It's all, oh, here's the eight tools or the 10 tools or whatever you can use to make thirty thousand dollars a month selling templates or whatever the hook is. And they get crazy reach with it because it's so top of funnel, but it's not super actionable either. Someone is not going to read that thread and then go immediately purchase a template. Maybe they'll scroll through the feed, maybe they'll click through and go to the website or, or just become aware of this person and follow them. And then that is the next step to get them to the middle or bottom of, of the funnel. But it's tough because yeah, the more, the bigger you get, the kind of wider net your content has to cast, but then it becomes less useful for the people that followed you when you were at a thousand followers right. or you were at 10,000 or a hundred thousand. Yeah, I think we've all kind of seen that. And it is it is frustrating, especially when you're trying to com be top comment on some of these bigger Notion people, because it's how, what can I add to this? They've already posted this listicle 12 times in the time that I've been following them or some variation of it. And it's okay, that's that's cool, but that's not actually helping people who aren't as Notion aware grow in their skills. 
so yeah, it's it's definitely a challenge and people need to understand that you have to iterate your strategy. Like I said, I've already changed my strategy multiple times because when you reach certain rungs of the Twitter ladder, you have to adapt. They can post that kind of stuff and it'll still do well and get engagement because they have 300,000 followers or whatever. Same with people copying Justin Welsh or Dan Coe. You don't have their following, so you can't just post the way that they post. You have to be more strategic than that, especially in the early stages. So it's it's a challenge, I think, to find the right mix. Yeah. And it's really easy to look at someone else and say, oh, I'll just do what what they're doing and that'll help me be successful and get to that same stage. But it, it doesn't it doesn't work that way. You have to do one, you have to do be something, do something different and and stand out. But then you also, to your point, have to evolve as your following grows, you'll start to hit plateaus. And as you don't as you hit those plateaus, you have to evolve. Your brand has to evolve. Your content has to evolve. I've seen this a lot with brands that I've, I've worked with in, in my career is they hit certain revenue milestones or growth milestones or whatever. The same stuff that got you there isn't going to be what gets you to the next stage, which is the same with Notion creators too. If you get to $1,000 in revenue, $10,000 in revenue on just Twitter alone, and you keep doing that, you're probably not going to grow that much until you start adding on other channels. And it's not immediately obvious when you should do that until you kind of hit that plateau. Yep, exactly. Yeah, that, that's the point I'm at. I'm at now with my business too, is a lot of my business is SEO and Google traffic. And now I'm, okay, what are the other channels I can start adding, adding on to? It's kind of where the podcast idea came from is I saw all these people talking on Twitter. Now I want to sit down and actually have a conversation with these, these people. And um, that was my motivation for starting this. And hopefully, hopefully this will build and start to power the affiliate side of things and help me grow on Twitter or other channels. You kind of just have to sit down and say, hey, now it's time to try something new. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm I'm kind of in a similar phase right now where I've, you know, 1,500, 1,600 followers, I think you kind of hit a different threshold where what got you there is not going to get you growth beyond that. It's you're going from a small account into more of a mid-sized account because that's when things could start to compound, but you have to change your strategy. So that's where I'm at right now, where I'm redefining my content strategy and trying to learn as much as I can about writing viral threads and getting more people, you know, to to notice you and pay attention. And it's a, it's a very different strategy than it is at the bottom where it's more so about making friends and engaging a lot more. And yeah, obviously writing great content, but your content is less likely to get seen when you have fewer than a thousand followers. So it has to be more precise. Whereas when it starts to turn to the growth stage, you have to kind of cast that wider net we were talking about while still making sure it connects to the main content pillars that you want to touch on. Yeah. Are, are you only on Twitter now or are there other channels you're doing too? Yeah, I'm currently only on Twitter and starting up my newsletter. So I'm focusing kind of there for now. In the future, I do want to start branching out into YouTube. And I also want to start a personal Twitter account that's more just me and kind of Notion Way and, and Modest Mitkiss, I think is his name, how he's done it. I had... I had that idea before he did it. I just didn't do it. So yeah. that's kind of the the struggle. So yeah, that's that's my plan in the future because I want to talk about things that are beyond Notion, um, much more in the productivity and writing and that whole sort of thing. I, I was a freelance writer for so long that it's I have so much to share on that front that I feel I can't really talk about as much on the Notion page. So that's the plan long-term is to kind of stick on Twitter for now and then branch out in the next year or so. Yeah. I have that same struggle too, is 
for a long time, my Twitter account now was just a personal Twitter account. And so all of my friends, and I have all these old, you know, former Loom colleagues that follow me that don't give a shit about my Notion templates. And <laughs> now they're just getting bombarded with all of my podcast stuff and my template stuff. And some of them get to, to support me, but I know it's just like over the long run, it's not probably what they want, want to follow, which is totally cool. And so having a separate identity for you as a person versus you and your business, I think is the right long-term move too. Yeah. And so are you, you said you're, you're starting a, a newsletter soon. Have you had success with email in the past in terms of upselling people to paid Notion templates or using it at all in your marketing strategy? Or is it just a new thing you're adding? No, I have woefully miss or underused my email list. I have a decent email list because, you know, on Gumroad, it, it collects everybody's emails when they purchase your template. But I just, with the nine to five job and everything, I was just focused on trying to grow and launch and not as focused on email as I should have been. So I just finished. My husband and I, this is a tangent, but it's relevant. I promise. My husband and I just went on our honeymoon and nine months after we got married. So it's it's been a while. And we're both entrepreneurs and we have been for our entire relationships. So for our entire relationship, but we talk about business all the time. We're, you know, obviously we're in the same space. We're always thinking about it. So we said we weren't going to talk about business or think about business on our honeymoon. It lasted not even on the plane ride. We started listening to this book together because we could share ear pods. This book called Launch by I think Jeff Walker is his name. And he talks all about how to use a very small email list to launch your products in this very strategic way. So we came back from the honeymoon. We finished the book on the honeymoon in the car driving around or whatever. And I'm just ready to go and <laughs> use my email marketing newfound capabilities to get that rolling. So that's kind of the intent behind the newsletter is to get that up and running and use it a lot more in funnels for product downloads. Yeah, it, it the same the same for me. I've both woefully underused email and the times I've tried to use it well, com I've completely failed. And it, I have, I think I just crossed 11,000 customers who have downloaded any of my free templates. Wow. And most people find them by Googling free Notion templates. You can probably see, see where this is going. <laughs> they come to me, they want a free template, they find it. Sometimes they find a paid one on my site and I get an affiliate commission, which is nice. But my email list is all people who just want things for free. And so I've tried to upsell them. I've sent a bunch of one-off emails to thousands of them. And I've even segmented based on what kind of free template they downloaded, of, oh, a habit tracker or a journal one or whatever. I've, I've yet to make a single upsell from any of the emails I've sold. And then I've I built more drip sequences where, you know, day one, day three, day five, day seven, they kind of get other ones. And I've been more successful with those because they're a little bit more automated, whereas my one-time email blast would come out of nowhere. I had built no relationship with these people. They don't really know who I am. And so I think that's partially why it didn't work is they just weren't used to hearing from me a lot. But yeah, I haven't succeeded very well with email. I talked to a tool. Again, he hired a professional email marketer to help him nice. do email. That didn't work. That didn't work either okay. for similar reasons of he didn't build the right audience. And so he couldn't figure out how to upsell. I think the person who's doing this really well right now is he was the first guest on my podcast. He was the accountant guy. He's literally a professional accountant who makes finance budgeting templates. And he has free slash very low cost templates that he sells. And he uses those to upsell people into a full bookkeeping accounting system for Notion. So it's all people who are into finance or budgeting and 
he knows that and he upsells them into the big product. And I failed or where a tool has failed is not matching your offer to the right audience. And so it's, it's tricky. It's, it's actually, it's not it as is. easy in my experience. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's, it takes a lot of work. I, there's a couple people that I've seen who are doing it really well and I'm going to mimic a lot of what they're doing. But yeah, email is its own frontier and it's it's really important to get it right, which is why I'm glad of doing it now versus a year from now. But it's it definitely takes a lot of strategy. Yeah. Do you have a I know I know on your your website or your kind of social bento, I think is is the the tool mm-hmm. you use. You have a you know book a 15 minute kind of call to a Calendly link up there. Do you integrate that in your else in your post purchase flow to kind of upsell or try and new clients from people who download or buy your other templates? Not right now. I do have a couple of drip sequences on Gumroad that go out for a couple of my templates, but it's not it's not consistent or strategic enough, I think. And that is something I definitely want to integrate in the future. I do try to put links to those things in my templates. I always put a footer on all of my templates that includes links to my Gumroad and links to Twitter and whatever else. But I haven't really figured out, I think, you should only really have one ask at the end of whatever it is that you're using to upsell people. Yeah. And I think I need to be more strategic with that and have certain products that are literally only meant to drive traffic to my consulting offers. Yep. Yeah. I, I completely agree with, with that is you kind of have to, to, to tailor things, but especially with email, I get emails all the time. I get emails from Islo that are honestly terrible. His newsletter <laughs> A hot take, not that great. I unsubscribe because it, it added no, it added no, no value to me. And so, it, if it's if it's he's having trouble with it, you know, it's not at least. You know, and I'm I'm tough. I've been in marketing for a long time, so I have a higher filter. Where I, I used to work at an email company, so I, I judge things harsher than probably the average person does. But mm-hmm. uh, it's hard. Yeah, you have to have one one call to action, one one ask for the person. Random story from when I was at Loom. I thankfully didn't manage our emails. We hired a professional email person to come in and he revamped all of our email onboarding campaigns. One of the big things he changed was he made them very simple, short text, mostly text, a few images here and there, one call to action. Anytime there was multiple buttons or multiple offers to click, engagement, conversion, clicks, it all kind of fell fell off a lot. And so you really nailed it of the one one offer, one ask, and it's it's easy to not do that too. Yep, exactly. It's it's a tough game and you kind of have to kill your darlings, you know, and yeah. not be overzealous. <laughs> have you done any partnerships with other creators or you do kind of affiliate deals or you email your list with their offer or you tweet about their template and kind of it goes back and forth like that? I haven't. I That is something I want to start doing more. I, I want to start doing some threads that focus on highlighting certain creators because I think there's so many great people in the space. And we've kind of touched upon, you know, Islo is a big dog. He sort of took up all the space and then Passio is right behind him. But as we've all kind of noted, Islo's content has become more generic and he's now spun off onto his own personal Twitter page. And I think probably because he feels hamstrung by this giant audience that he's built for this one very specific thing. So I imagine that is challenging, but I think there's so many amazing smaller creators that deserve to have the stage. And as my page grows, I want to use that to highlight those Milo who you who you've mentioned. I love what he's doing. Marlene is is kind of new on the scene, and I've talked to her quite a few times. She's amazing. So there's there's definitely room to do that. But no, I haven't done any specific partnerships, though I am friends with Hunter Bohm, who's doing a lot of consulting and custom builds. 
and we've talked about doing some projects together pretty soon. So I think there's there's a lot more of that coming down the pipeline. Yeah, I think that's a, a big opportunity for creators, especially as their, you know, your audience grows is you can want to bring other people up with you, but take the time to highlight other people. And if you kind of strike the right partnership balance, you can talk about the people who you interact with and have had all these personal connections with and also help them make sales. And if you get a little kickback in the process too, then that's that's great as well. It's one of the things, my next product is a affiliate marketing course for templates, nice. for Notion templates. I think I'm the only, <laughs> one of the only people who is doing it at least at scale. And so I kind of want to unpack, hey, I used to do this for a living professionally. Now I'm doing it for Notion templates. Here's all the background. So I'm, that's the big course I'm building right now and hope to help other people learn how to embed affiliate links in a way that is native and makes sense and isn't super spammy and doesn't ruin your reputation as a creator, but is a way to kind of have some other income too, because maybe some people you want to feature someone who's good at accounting or life management or second brains or whatever, and that's not your niche, but maybe someone who follows you is interested in that. And so how do you find ways to cross promote? Yeah, I love that. I would love to see that course because I, I, I think it's best to highlight other people because you're not going to be perfect at everything. Yeah. And some people are really great at, you know, I'm not a teacher, but Milo's a teacher. So he can speak better to the needs and wants of a teacher who's trying to use Notion than I can. And I think that's something I want to do in my newsletter is kind of have a little creator spotlight to highlight products that I see because so many people are doing such cool things with Notion. Yeah. And then that gives you a chance to have a perspective or an opinion of you. You're almost curating this list of here's the creators I think you should follow. And that becomes a part of your brand too, is your, your opinions, your perspective on these things. And people will almost follow you for that, a tastemaker kind of. And so that is an interesting angle kind of longer term once you've built a following too, is people then will then, they'll, they'll come for the templates and your perspectives and they'll, they'll stay for your kind of opinions long term. Oh yeah, Madison knows her shit. She really, she connects with all the best Notion creators. It becomes like part of your brand and it's a cool thing that sometimes isn't planned for in the beginning too. Yeah, I hope so. I would love the opportunity to help other people grow because I think that's just the coolest thing. It's not a zero-sum game. You know, if I win, somebody else can win too. I think people miss out on that. Yeah, completely. Okay, well, to, to wrap up, do you, I know you talked about your newsletter and so is that your big upcoming project that's, that's launching and then where can people go, go find you on the internet? Yeah, so you can find me at asimplenotion.com and at asimplenotion on Twitter. But yeah, the newsletter is the next big thing that I'm going to be launching. And then I will have a paid kind of content matrix named TBD template coming out soon that I've been working on for months. Um, it's what I use to manage my content. But you'll find more information about that on Twitter and on the, the newsletter when it does come out. And then, yeah, just, you know, if anyone out there needs custom work and wants to work with me, just, just let me know. Absolutely. I'll, I'll put all those links in the, in the description and the show notes too, so people can go find you. Madison, this, this was great. Thank you so much for, for coming on. I really enjoyed our conversation and anyone watching, go check out Madison's stuff. Follow her on Twitter. She's one of my favorite Notion creators on Twitter right now, and you won't be disappointed. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Nick. This was great. Thanks.